Okay, if you all would turn me to 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 7 through 24. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 7 through 24. And we're going to end up breaking up in the groups because I want you all to be able to share among yourselves um, and talk about the text, okay? But 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 7 through 24. Um, and our and lesson tonight, how many of y'all have books so far? How many of you all have your books? Oh, pretty much everybody. Okay. Are y'all enjoying the text? Enjoying, I mean, y'all. And every time I think about having an argument, like, well, and the guy just say it. I said, okay, how long he been saying? Like, he knows church. He knows. Like, man. Man. First um, Samuel chapter 15, verse 7 through 24. But before you, y'all are there, y'all have it. But before we go to that, I just want to recap a little bit of last week. And I know y'all have had a great time uh, in this, but I just want to recap a little bit about uh, last week, just a little bit, because we don't have much time. So uh, I want to recap. And I want to look back at chapter one, verse, uh, uh, page 20. Now, I know verse of the book, page 20. And when it was talking about the Apostle Paul, it said recorded. Uh, what happens when we live uh, authentically God's way? It said the Apostle Paul recorded what happens when we authentically live uh, God's way. Y'all, is that the same on y'all page 20? Because I have a different, yeah. It is, okay. It says he brings gifts into our lives. When we authentically live how we supposed to live, yielded, authentic, our true selves, he brings gifts. Much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard, it, it brings gifts. And he was looking at Galatians 5 and 22. If somebody could get that, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and it says, using uh, popular versions of the Bible, let me demonstrate how Paul described these beautiful fruits. And of course, it is talking about the fruits of the spirit. Well, it's, it's right here, so I'll just read that. It said, uh, the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Again, it said, when you are authentically yourself, these fruits should manifest in your life. And it says, God promises if you and I will do life his way, even though it feels unnatural and hard, uh, uh, hard to us initially, then our lives will be, he made the point, beautiful. And let me say this, I can attest to this. Because I used to read the fruit of the spirit and it's the fruit of the spirit. And even though it's plural, it's the fruit. I used to be like, God, just help me to get these fruits eventually. <laughs> and I know he sends trials and tests our way so the fruit can grow in our lives, right? He sends the winds, the floods, the rain, so the fruit can grow in our lives. Um, again, so you can be your... but being your authentic selves cause the fruits to come. In other words, I gotta watch how I come across the people. I gotta, I'm sorry, have I lost anybody? I'm looking at y'all faces. Are we on the same page or our books different? Oh, okay. Thank you, Miss Vanessa. But this is, this is the last page. This is the last, the last two pages of the last chapter. Do y'all have the last two pages of the last chapter? No, I'm sorry. The first chapter, the last two pages. Okay. First chapter, the last two pages. And he said, um, 
even though it feels unnatural and hard to us initially. How many of you all will read the fruit of the spirit and you realize it's like unnatural to some of y'all? It's like, it's unnatural. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And do you, not, you know why the reason is so unnatural to most of us? Because that's not our environment. That's not where we came, that's not where we came up. That's not how we were raised. So it's unnatural. You know, we're used to telling people how we really feel. <laughs> you know, we're used to just saying it and not holding it in. But some of y'all come from households, you hold it in. You saw your mama hold it in, you saw your dad hold it well, your dad may not, but somebody held it in. For an example, what if you came from a household where everybody just said what, it, what was on their mind, right? So that's why for some of us, it's unnatural. But even with that, you may have shared it outwardly, but then you're bubbling over on the inside. You got, you sick because you holding it in because you know you don't feel no peace. You don't feel kind, but you hold it in because you, you're not authentically you to share what you're really feeling. Okay, to share what you're really feeling. So he said, it takes a few moments to pause this reading, which I agree. He's talking about read slowly and prayerfully uh, this previous list. So did any of y'all get to review the list in the last, as you, in the last session? Anybody get to review the list? Okay. Um, letting each word soak into you. So look at the NIV and then the message. It has these two examples. I want y'all to review that, okay? Um, I want y'all to review that. And then we're looking at the different fruits of the spirit in the NIV and then the message. And the message says, where it says NIV love, it says affection for others. Where it says joy, exuberance about life. Wow. How many people you know exuberant about life? Just smiling. Yeah. Even in the church, smiling full of joy. Peace, serenity, patience, a willingness to stick with things. Kindness, a sense of compassion in your heart. Goodness, a conviction that a basic Holiness permeates things and people. Faithfulness involved in loyal commitments. Gentleness not needing to force our way in life. Being gentle, don't have to force your way. And then self-control, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Self-control, okay. Self-control, not just saying what you want to say, not just saying what comes to mind. And I can talk about it because I've been there before. And I said, Lord, help me because that's how I was before I became a Christian and that's how I saw people in my family. So it's like, God, help me not to say what I want to say, but help me process it. Help me because I, I don't want anybody to hurt my feelings because when you learn the scripture, do unto others, you have them do unto you. It's like, no, I want anybody to talk to me that way, so I can't do that. You get me? So certain things just for us to say, do unto others, the Bible says, do unto others, you have them do unto you. Just that scripture. So how would you want people to talk to you? How do you want somebody to... Uh, approach you? How do you want people to engage with you? Just that scripture alone, that, that should challenge us to say, I got to watch how I come across. I got to watch how, to, how I talk to people. And I had to learn it with my kids because, you know, they'll tell you how you are. Um, so if you don't want anyone to treat you that way, even as growing in the fruit of the spirit, and how does fruit grow through the storms, rain, winds of life? That's how fruit grow. It, fruit don't just grow on the, it goes through all the different seasons until it's time to bud. So it is with us. God wants that fruit to develop in our life, but it's through the storms, the winds, and the rains of life. 
And it says, allow God to love you where you are now. Ask him to do his work in you, that you might become the kind of person described uh, in, this, in the passage. What, what is so tragic is how few people who desire God, listen to this, few people who desire God attend and serve their church faithfully. Hmm. What is so tragic is how few people who desire God, it says, attend and serve their church faithfully, read their Bible, worship and pray and attend Sunday school classes and small groups, do in fact experience, experience this beautiful life. So you may be faithful to church, you may be faithful to praying, you may be faithful to Bible study and all that small group, but the fruit of the spirit is not evident in your life. These gifts, uh, these gifts are from God. And it, it goes back, he said, I believe, to spiritually, spirituality divorced from our emotional health. Spirituality, our spirituality is divorced from our emotional health. Our spirituality is divorced from our emotional health. Right? Because I can only talk about me. I've been there when I look at the fruit of the spirit and pray God help me to walk in all of these because I'm not. And this is after years of being saved. Not two years, not 10 years, 20. It's been 38 years this past August. So maybe 30, I'm still praying. <laughs> Until, put it like this recently, it's like, oh my gosh, when I look at this, I can see myself. But I, I know God has grace on you when you're constantly saying, God, help me. Because I can honestly say, like, I, I need this area. I need help in this area. And that's being honest. But what did he say? You're spiritually divorced from your emotional health. One thing, um, one thing that allows deep, underlying layers of our lives to remain untouched by God. When we're spiritually divorced from emotional health, uh, that uh, allows our deep underlying layers not to be touched by God. Not to be touched by God because we're not emotionally healthy. We don't pause enough to say when things come up and you respond a certain way, oh, I got to get that together. Why did I snap it then? Why did I respond that way? You know what I'm saying? Somebody coming into church and they may look a certain way. You know, a sister come in, cleavage showing, skirt short, and you find yourself snapping at her as a grill. I'm not saying about our grill, I'm just giving an example. And you're like, this person, maybe they just came from struggling and, and, and struggle in the church. So you gotta ask yourself, if I'm got my nose up at this person, why? When I don't even know what it took for them to get to church and that's all they had to wear. Think about that. See, that's how God deals with your heart because he's like, and sometimes he has allow us to go through storms for us to see how our fruits need to grow. So unless we go through certain storms, we're not going to see. We're not going to see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift because we can go on and on and on. And I want someone to read 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 7 through 24. A good reader. A loud reader. Because I want y'all to hear. I want you all to hear the text. Because we're going to picture the groups we're going to do this. I want y'all to hear it as it's read. 15 verse 7 24. I need someone to get a strong voice to read. I can read it from the NIV. First, first Samuel 15, yes, 7 through 24. Okay. This is the NIV version. Okay. 
Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shear, near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they, these they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord has blessed you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. Enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? <coughs> The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites, wage war against them until you have wiped them out. <coughs> Why did you not obey the Lord? <clears throat> Why did you pounce on plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? <clears throat> But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep, thank you, and cattle from the plunder. The best of what was devoted to God in order, thank you, to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God, at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in birth offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave them, gave in to them. You want me to do 25? Yes. Now I okay. Okay. Whoa, that's a powerful word. As we go into I want to review uh, the end of chapter one. Um just I love how it highlights how God wants every 
become authentically ourselves, how God wants us to show the fruit of the Spirit. And I feel like my journey as a Christian, because I love to say, but I don't see there's no increase or change. It don't matter how long you've been saved. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the church. It don't matter what title you have. I mean, the woman of God shared that so powerfully on Sunday. You know, it, it does not matter um, because there's a there's a there's a process that God wants us to go through. There are measurables, and I feel these this description of the fruit of the spirit in Galatians <laughs> describes that. So I want to hit on that tonight. As we segue into chapter two, <clears throat> we see. That Paul is, Saul is our example in chapter two. Saul is our example. And we're going to dissect this text in small groups. We're going to dissect this text um, of why, of how he was not emotionally healthy. We're going to, and I'm sure some of y'all just saw, obviously, but why did he respond in certain ways? And one thing that really caught my attention was when, when Samuel told him, when you were small, in your own eyes, mm -hmm. how God elevated you. But when you began to look at yourself a certain way, mm -hmm. you got off. Um, so chapter two opens up. It says the top 10, 10 symptoms of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. The top 10 symptoms of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. And again, I welcome you all here tonight. I welcome our e-church. I welcome our online viewers. I welcome you to this uh, Tuesday night teaching, and we're coming from the subject, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Scazzaro, which is a text that I feel like not only the church, but we can get in small groups with our families and go over, review, um, friends. Um, but I feel like on so many levels, so many people need to hear this. And I thank God because it's full of the word. Because any text we read, especially bringing it on a Tuesday night, I feel like it should be a sound in scripture, right? And I feel like this is that. So, and one thing I said earlier, this guy, as I've read the text, and I read this many years ago, and I'm rereading it, but this guy, as I stated earlier, everything when he says something, like, okay, that's kind of extreme. It's like he'll have an argument just to knock back what I'm saying. And it's not that you try to justify your flesh, I'm like, gosh, like he just cutting up the light, right? And, and kind of exposing our hearts and our motives of why we do what we do and where we are in our walk with God. So chapter two, it talks about the, the top 10 symptoms of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. And it says diagnosing the problems. Now, I hope y'all got to read this because we're not going to get to go real deep in it, but we're going to hit some points and then I'm put y'all in small groups. So remember the text uh, that Sister Joanna just read. But the chapter opens up with, uh, the, the author talks about said Jay, one of our church members, recently shared with him, he said, I was a Christian for 22 years. But instead of being a 22-year-old Christian, I was a one-year-old Christian 22 times. I just kept doing the same things over and over and over again. Anybody been there? Like, I've been, I've been saved this long, but I just keep doing the same stuff. Like, God, help me. And then he gave an example. He said, um, over and over again, he said, Angela, and explaining why she had not attended church for more than five years, asked me privately, why is it that so many Christians make such lousy human beings? Whoa. Why is it so many Christians make such lousy human beings? 
And I'm gonna tell you this, it's amazing. And, and the thing, again, we go back to the text with uh, Saul. He said, when you were small in your own eyes, you, you know, God opened doors, but it's something when we just go a little bit from where we came from, a little bit from out from the darkness and we feel we're in the light. We just forget we were in darkness. <laughs> we get so self-righteous. We get so high-minded and heady and yeah. But she's, and, and I feel like that is the thing that causes it to become lousy because we forget what God delivered us out of. We forget. And we, and we begin to repeat those habits, not even though we're repeating them because you don't forget where he delivered you from. So you're like, now I'm in the church doing the crazy. Okay, I'm in the church doing the crazy. And then Ron, it said, the brother of a member of the small group that meets in our home upon hearing the title of this book laughed and said, emotionally healthy spirituality, isn't that a, a contradiction? <laughs> like emotionally healthy and spiritual, wow. And he said, our problem revolves around misapplied biblical truths that not only damage our closest relationships, but also obstruct God's work of profoundly transforming us deep beneath the iceberg of our lives as we see on the cover of the book. So it, it, it's, it's our interpretation of scripture. It's what we read. And sometimes we read through the lenses of what we've heard. Like you hear him preach, I heard, I heard, you know, you be hooping, I heard, what about, and I heard God, so what is God saying? I'm hearing, not I heard. But we go by what people, and, I, and one of those individuals on that panel last night, y'all, said it took them 40-some years to, actually, they were like illiterate reading, and it took them 40-some years to really read the Bible and understand the text. Imagine they've been preaching 40-some years, and they said certain texts until I learned how to read. Now, they've been preaching since they were 20, okay? And 40-some, they really read the Bible for themselves. He said, the Holy Spirit would just drop stuff on me and all this. And he said, so I really, when I read the scripture, I, I realized some things people were saying were not so. It took you that long? Why you know about the Bible? Just read it. I mean, it's just church. It's just religiousness. Why didn't you read it? He said, it took him that long to realize some things they were saying was not true. Why didn't you open up your own Bible? Because the scriptures instruct us to uh, go and look and review the scriptures. <laughs> God tells us in his word, go and review the, the word. Don't just hear it and, and leave it at church on Sunday. You leave your Bible, oh, that was a good word. And you don't go and review what was taught. If some, you know, I, am, I didn't get that. Open your Bible and review the scripture. That's not wrong. That's not saying the, the question. Like, what do they mean by that? Go open your Bible and read it. So is that, hyper, okay, we're going to review. Top 10 symptoms of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. I'm going to review these, just going to read them out. And then I want you to review them in your small group. So I'm going to go down to that, uh, the paragraph before uh, he talks about what emotionally unhealthy spirituality looks like. He says, before I prescribe this pathway, it's the next page, it is essential for us to, to clearly identify the primary symptoms of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. What, is, what are the symptoms that continue to wreak havoc in our personal lives, in our churches, right? Our unhealthy spirituality, emotionally unhealthy. It says the following are the top 10, 10 symptoms indicating if someone is suffering from a bad case of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. So as I read this, I checked some that kind of related to me, okay? Um, and you look, do it for yourself. Okay, number one, using God to run from God. Okay, it said these are some of the uh, symptoms of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. Using God to run from God. Number two, 
ignoring the emotions of anger, sadness, and fear. Number three, dying to the wrong things. And I gotta highlight this, it said you die to being happy, friendly, uh, spending time with people, but yet you, you, you die to that, but you don't die to being mean, cantankerous, isolated. That's what you don't die to. <laughs> but you die to the friendliness, the niceness, of fellowshipping with people, being kind to people, say so you die to that. Number four, denying the past impact on the present. Wow. Denying that your past has an impact on your present. And to me, it seems like as I get older, and, and people that I know that are older, they have scripts. In therapy, we call it scripts. You repeat the same thing of what your aunt said to you, your sister did, what your mama did. Everybody did to you in the past. But what about now? They constantly go backwards. So, but, but when it comes to how their attitude is and how they're responding to their present life, oh, I'm good. I'm, I'm black. I, I'm straight. Me and God are straight. But you, but you deny the wounds of the past, but you're always talking about it. Number five, dividing our lives into secular and sacred compartments. Uh, that's a whole, I'm sure y'all can get that. Oh, I'm saving church on Sunday. But when I leave here, when I go to the baseball game in my house, uh, when I'm with certain friends, you know, that's church stuff. But when I'm out here, you know, this is me. God understands my weaknesses. So you have a whole nother life. And, and I've always taught that our whole life is ministry to God. Church is, is one facet of that ministry. Our marriage is one facet. Hanging out with our friends, uh, our gifts. All is, all, everything we do in life behind closed doors is ministry. Everything we do is to bring God glory. So guess what? Because there's nothing hidden from his presence. But think about those people who have been taught when church is church. When I leave church, that's it. You know, I'm, 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 I'm laying with my boyfriend. We, you know, we looking at people preaching because that's church, that's, that's church. But when I leave church, it's me and him. God understands. I mean, I'm but flesh, right? I'm weak. No, God does not understand. So we compartmentalize. Um, Divine the second from the spiritual. Number six, doing God, doing God instead of being with God. Like again, church on Sunday, and it goes deeper in the text. Seven, spiritualizing away conflict. Spiritualizing away conflict. You're hurt, you're wounded, they offended you. Oh, the Lord just want me to go through this wilderness. Oh, the Lord just want me to bear this burden. That may be so, but you need to go get it right with that sister and, and tell her how you approached me and how you said that to me, it really bothered me. That's not being weak. That's you uh, uh, dealing with adversity and going and, and letting this sister see, okay, that wasn't okay to make you feel small, right? That's it's several examples, but okay. Hey, covering over brokenness and weakness and failure. That's huge in the church. Covering over brokenness, weakness, and failure. You blew it. Some people don't even want to tell their story. You're ashamed for somebody to know what you've gone through. I thank God the Lord blessed me this past week to share my story um on that scale and the and the prophetess you know you we were talking to her the evangelist she was like i ain't know nothing about nothing she didn't even know about the bishop things so that was god speaking through her just fyi those you want to know she's i ain't know nothing about no story nothing so how god flowed and blessed her to speak some stuff but it's amazing how people don't know and you know what i told her i said well the reason i shared my story not because everybody know but i want people to know that guess what it's okay to be transparent about what you've gone through even at the even though you've been saved for a while, 
we're going to go through. But don't sweep it under the rug and, and, and you're broken and you're weak and you're failing because somebody's going to get healed by your story. You know? Uh, and then somebody may say, well, you're just telling too much. You talk too much. Well, hey, it is what it is. <laughs> Pray for me. Number nine, living without limits. Just living any kind of way. But again, it goes deeper in the text. And 10, judging other people's spiritual journey. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, God delivered me. Glory. <laughs> he delivered me. He delivered you too, Elder. Judging other people's spiritual journey. What, Felice, what they got to say back there? Uh-oh. Judging other people's spiritual journey. Judging other, putting your nose up at someone, looking at what somebody's going through and forget what you've gone through. Forget your story. Forget what he brought you out of, right? Being judgmental, we do that well, don't we? Before we get in our groups, it's another section. I said, I want to read this. Mm. Uh, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're talking about all of us. Right. Church, secular, whatever. You know, we give God, even we really realize, I'll put it this way, Tim never realized he's given God all this stuff over here. Like these big things, right? But a lot of the emotional things, I thought that was for the doctor. I'm just saying that. And, you know what I'm saying? And, and particularly mental um, mental health. You know, he, he takes care of that. You know, so he, he, you know, he's there to help me with that. But I think in essence, you know, you pray, you ask God to heal you, deliver you, so on and so forth. But to really put it in perspective, see it aligned with the word of God and how we think is the, is the beginning process to heal. Yes, like you said, even and there's no wrong with a doctor that said the wrong thing. There's no wrong with talking about it. But when you read something like this, it kind of helps you heal, deal with your own stuff. And this is I mean, it's like a therapy. I mean, really, I, I really, I've asked this. Yeah, I've been in this one like You know, there's so many books on marriage that we do because, I mean, you got to participate in your own rescue, right? You got you to go to want to help yourself. But sometimes we don't even know it's a problem. Like you said, we don't even know that we're emotionally unhealthy. And I can't find that area. I, I can't find that um, paragraph. But they were saying about uh, how the some people in the world is comparing the world and 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 Christianity and our and our spiritual walk. Sometimes uh, the world can be more emotionally healthy, emotionally healthy than a Christian. Because I mean, how, how much y'all met uh, people who are not saved? Oh. I do my meditation. I do my, uh, and this is really giving me these days, my, what you call that fast? What do they call that? Um, some type of intermediate. I'm like, okay, fast. It used to be to put your flesh under and get close to God. 
oh, it's just to lose weight. You know, I'm doing my, I mean, it's like they're talking about fasting. People you know don't have a walk with God. I'm doing my fasting, you know, my meditation. And these people do not, they are not committed to God. They are living their own lives. But it said sometimes they can be emotionally uh, in tune. Do anybody got that paragraph? I couldn't find, I highlighted, but I, can, I don't see where I highlighted, where I have highlighted. Um, but it said how the world can be more emotional, healthy than people in the church. However, it said, um, but they lack the spirituality. And the balance is to have the emotional health plus the spiritual. You understand what I'm saying? To have the balance of the emotional and the spiritual. And they were saying how powerful uh, to have those two together, how it worked. Let me see. Um, okay. Let me see if this is it. Um, it's, it's, it's in, actually, it's in chapter three, and it's taught in the, under, under the title, Unleashing a Revolution, Un, Un, Unleashing a Revolution. Um, and, it, and, it taught, and it says, a person can grow emotionally healthy without Christ. It's chapter three, and it's under Unleashing a Revolution. And this is what I was talking about. It, it says a person can grow emotionally healthy without Christ. In fact, I think of a number of non-Christian people who are more loving, balanced, and civil than many church members I know, including, he said, myself. At the, at this, at, at the same time, a person can be deeply committed to contemplative spirituality, even to the point of taking a monastic monastic view and remain emotionally unaware and socially maladjusted. Okay? So that's what I was looking at. A person can grow emotionally healthy without Christ. And you know some people, that they're loving, they're kind, they're all that, but they're not Christian. You know, and sometimes we try to put them people in heaven, right? You know, and I, and I look at, I, I think about my daughter who has had friends over the years and they didn't admit they were Christians or anything, but guess what? She enjoyed hanging around them because of just their, they didn't fight what she believed and they were good to hang out with. But, I, but when they began to disrespect her belief, that's when she stepped away. But sometimes you can hang around people because they're just respectful and you respect each other, but they're not Christian. And you know, sometimes as Christian, we try to make them Christian because we just can't believe they're not Christian being so sweet, but they're not. So it goes on to say, it says, how can this be? Few Christians committed to contemplative spirituality integrate the inner workings of emotional health. Few Christians committed to contemplative spirituality integrate the inner workings of emotional health. Few Christians. And guess what? This text right here, us, for us to go in this book, it is rubbing some of y'all flesh wrong. Y'all going through right now, some of y'all. That's why I want to read the scripture. Like, no, no, no. We in the it's in the Bible. People are like this in the Bible. And God used this guy who was in the church for all these years, being tore up, ready to leave God. Somebody he wanted to shoot his wife, right? In the text. Somebody I want to shoot him, stab or something. In the text. So we got to deal with this. Because 
the length of time you've been saved, it does not matter. How do you allow God to grow you up? The guy said, as we open up the, this talk tonight, he said, his friend Jay, he said, I've been a Christian for 22 years, but really for one, and just going, doing things over and over for 21 years. So have you grown up? He said, few Christians are committed to contemplative spirituality, to integrate the inner workings, the inner workings uh, of emotional health. At the same time, few people committed to emotional health integrate contemplative spirituality. That's why you can have somebody who is emotionally healthy, but they don't contemplate their spirituality. They're not thinking about it. Well, they, can I say this? They are spiritual. They're not Bible spiritual. Because everybody's looking for a higher power, but it's not through Jesus Christ. And let me say this to y'all. Don't try to make it fit. Don't compromise your stand and make them feel comfortable. At the end of the day, it's like, that's how you believe. You know, hey, that's how you believe. Okay. And this is how I believe. I don't agree with what you do, but hey, I respect you. That's what you do. But I don't, that's, I don't agree. But now we see people trying to make it okay. They don't believe in Jesus Christ and so much oftenness, but we try to make it okay. But it's not okay. I'm, I'm seeking a higher power. I'm, I'm you know, I, I use my crystals. I burn my incense. I do all this stuff. That's not God, that's spirituality, but that's not uh, uh, seeking God through Jesus Christ. I gotta break this down because even people online and people even maybe sitting here, if we don't break this down, people just think it's coming to church, it's being spiritual, but no man comes to the Father, God, but through Jesus Christ. So again, people can have be emotionally healthy, but they, they, have, they are contemplative spiritual, but is, is it through uh, God, through Jesus Christ? So we gotta make that very clear. It says both are powerful to be emotionally contemplative and emotional health that integrates contemplative spirituality. Both are powerful. Life changes, changing emphasis when engaged, when engaged separately, but together they offer nothing short of a spiritual revolution. That's powerful. To say, God, help me in my emotional growth. Help me deal with, uh, like they gave the, the 10 things that show that you're emotionally unhealthy. Help me deal with these things that I struggle with. And at the same time, let me grow in my spiritual walk said these things combined are spiritual revolution, transforming the inner places deep beneath the surface. Because we need to be transformed deep beneath the surface. When emotional health and contemplative spirituality are interwoven together in an individual life, in an individual's life, a small group, a church, a university, a fellowship, or a community, in your family, with your sisters, with your brothers, doing this book, People's lives are dramatically transformed. How many of y'all family members now you can't hardly talk to because they are not emotionally healthy? They go to church, they're saved, but you get to talk about certain things. You're just like, okay, okay. All right, I hear you. And just have to move to another subject because they're saved, but they're not emotionally healthy. You can't even talk. Like, you trying to say, oh, hi, how's your day? Oh, my day. You can't even say it's rough. Oh, you don't have no faith. You, you don't believe God because they never go through that. <laughs> so anywho, I, I could go on and on and on and on, but we're going to stop. We're going to get in our groups. So David, I don't know how you can work this in with the audience. 
Um, I want you to take this. I want to give out this sheet so you can take it home and work on it. Uh, and this is talking about, and he may put this on the screen. It said emotionally healthy spirituality. Uh, this is our course we're in. And this is a diagram below. It provides an illustration of a spiritual life where our activity, our doing, is out, is out of balance with our contemplative life, our inner life with Jesus. So this is our doing, that little circle. And this is our activity. It can be out of balance. But at the bottom, I want you to draw a circle. You can take this home and do it, bring it back, we can review it. But at the bottom, I want you to draw, how, where are you? In your emotional health, you're just, you're doing, and then your inner life with Jesus. Where's the balance? How, how's the balance look? You can give this and um, if y'all need other. And this is for small group. If you would uh, break up into small groups, here you go. And this is that's a homework assignment for next for next for you to look at during the week. For you look at during the week. If you would break up into small groups, you can do three in a group. I think three is good. I don't even know how many people in here. It's three good. It would get that be balanced. I think that should be balanced. And then we're in COVID. So if you don't feel if you don't feel comfortable moving with somebody, <laughs> um, and this is for you to review with your group. Here you go. Okay, great. See, they want you to be in COVID. Can you do my? Okay, here you go. This should be enough for the individuals here. No, this is for. This is what you're going to review group. now. Okay. Yes. Okay, so, so what I want you to do, um, so what I want you to do, um, so the circle is is the balance between your contemplate your contemplation with God and then your activities. So I want you to do I want you to do that activity this week, okay? And then the other page is talking about questions to consider, like day one, day two, when you get a chance. I want you to um, take these and I want you to review these, okay? Um, and David, I don't know if we're able to post these and, and I don't know if they're able to like take a picture. Okay. But for tonight's assignment, okay, you remember the, uh, the text that uh, Sister Joanna read? No, well, no, no, not, okay. Tonight's assignment, if you all have time in your group, because I don't want y'all to get away from that, the 10, if y'all want to review those 10 and, and see where you are with that, because that kind of goes with the circle, right? Those 10 points goes with the circle, like where are you, right? But tonight's assignment, I really want you to um, kind of exergy Saul, that first Samuel 15, verse 7 through 24. And I have the questions that you can ask among yourselves to see how was he emotionally unhealthy? How was he emotionally unhealthy? Understood books of the Bible, yes, because a lot of people are afraid to read. <laughs> Contains the key to why most present-day Christians are overwhelmed by the culture and the world around us. Why? Because we underestimate the intensity and power of evil, both outside and inside of us. Whoa. So y'all gonna enjoy that chapter, okay? We underestimate, and it literally how, how he broke it down in this text. He broke it down to relate how revelation 
the beast, the dragon, how it relates to where we are and how we, our, our spiritual battle that was on the inside. Our inspiration, I said, good, well, pow. Anyway, who wanna start first? Don't raise your hand at the same time, then. Yeah. Okay. Okay, go ahead, uh, Sister Pat. Pat, you gonna. Two, three, four, dress. I mean, 
sharper than a hospital cop. Cleaner than transparent chips, right? But when I got to know them and they were transparent and just shared, they were called ugly or criticized all their young life. So they overcompensated in other areas. Yes. You know, or were very successful in their career. You know, because I was told I would never have to, you know, that's true. And most of the time, that motivates people. What that people told them they couldn't do. They, I'm, I'm gonna yeah, show you you're wrong. On that iceberg thing, I just I think you talked about. We're looking at it. We saw uh, selfish, selfish needs. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. part of underneath that the surface of that. Right? All right. Who in your group? Nadia or Stephanie or other Greg? Who else trying to speak up? Say 
well, I had to do it that way because if I hadn't, then such and such and such would have happened. So, in essence, we don't step out on faith. We do other things instead of doing the way God's way because we can't see what's going to happen. We can't see what the end result will be. We don't rely on God because we already know. He sees that. Yes. We already know. Even though it's something that may be uncomfortable or something that we've never done before, but because we can't clock it and how it's going to happen mm -hmm. or what it's going to be like if I do, we hesitate and we do it our own way because we can control our own right. way. Right. We can control the outcomes. We can do it the way we want to as opposed to sometimes the way God wants to. And I think that was a matter of. Uh, I heard that Saul had, um, he had a um, uh, kind of a schizophrenic kind of demeanor. Mm -hmm. He was always paranoid about mm -hmm. this, that, or the other, or always doing things in his own eyes. <coughs> and because of that, he was, he was seeing himself strong in his own eyes. And therefore, because of that, the decision choices he made, he had to spend time trying to justify or blame another. And he lost the king. I mean, he lost his position of power. And, I, and as we close, when we look at the text, and we, when we opened up the story tonight, it was saying how we feel, how we don't allow ourselves to be, it's unnatural for us to get, be uncomfortable, like the walking through the spirit, something is unnatural. Because our natural bent is our culture. Our natural bent, if we were around, like I said, mean, cantankerous, or very nice, or people that gave in to everybody, I mean, they didn't, they never stood for anything. <laughs> we flow that way and we're not our authentic self. So he was afraid, like you said. Thank you for sharing, great point. He wasn't his authentic self. So tonight, as we close out, thank you all so much for sharing. Give yourselves a hand, amen. And for those watching online, hopefully you can come next time so you can participate because this is a blessing. I pray that you uh, review the text, go through this sheet, and just see how you can grow. Just look within and see how you can be your best self. Because again, one of the last points of those 10 things to show you're not un unhealthy, you're most unhealthy, you're always trying to look at other people where they are. What about yourself? And we should, right, exactly. And we can never stop growing. No matter how long we've been saved, we can never stop growing. We, we, when you get to the point where you're like, I can't nobody tell you nothing. You've, you've lost, you, you always should be willing to grow. And when I say grow, I'm saying just obedient to what God has called you to do. And God uses people. He's gonna speak to you by the Holy Spirit. But if somebody asks you to do something, don't say, I've, been, I've, I've grown past that. I mean, I've heard people say it in church, I've grown past that. I don't do that no more. I'm mature than that. How do you, how do, how do you get to that point? So we're gonna close out in prayer. Um, you will see him in the future. Exactly. Trying to uh, heal Mordecai and ended up 
Show you why obey all the way. That's powerful. That's powerful because you know what? How many times God asked us to do stuff a certain way, and in your flesh you're like, "But oh God, it don't take all that. I'm not gonna humble myself. They don't deserve that." And if you just do it, being un allow yourself to be uncomfortable and obey God. Have any of y'all seen the fruit of just obeying, even though you didn't see it? You're like, I'm gonna do it. I don't think they deserve it, God, but I'm gonna obey. I'm giving. I'm gonna call them. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be extra nice, even though I feel like they treat me like trash. Well, I'm going to go overboard because you're telling me to because my flesh don't want to. And you see why. Like, God, why do you want me to do all this? And then you see the fruit of the why down the road. Like you said, he was disobedient. Now you see him down the road, still fighting, still standing of strife if he would obey. But the guy has a bigger picture of why, about why, why he asks us to do stuff, why we have to walk in obedience. Because if we don't, you're gonna see it down the road. Mm -hmm. So the next time you feel God impressing on you, he's speaking some things to you, and then he sends somebody to confirm in your spirit the why, please just obey, because I'm learning that. Like, Lord, Father, let me just obey, and let me just say yes, because, yeah. I got two hands up, then we gotta go. I just wanted, uh, Elder was telling, telling us that, and I was like, oh, he didn't say that, go ahead, I'm sorry. They're still showing up. That's the Taliban. The yeah, Taliban. They didn't kill them all. They didn't kill them all. Wow. See? Wow. See? That wickedness. <laughs> wickedness. And when y'all read about the mark of the beast, you're going to see who's modern day Turkey and, mm -hmm. and how that's stirring stir up. So, so it's amazing how it's just showing us today where we are, the wickedness. Alicia, anybody else have? No, I was going to make a statement when I listened to a speaker. It's probably my spirit that partial obedience is total disobedience. It is. It is. It is. It is. And and again, just going against our flesh. Because our flesh is saying they don't deserve it. <laughs> he don't deserve it. She don't deserve it. They don't. But it's not about what they deserve. It's about your obeying and walking in the fruit of the spirit. I think you take this is that when we're in that mindset mm -hmm. of saying uh, they don't deserve it, mm -hmm. we've got to give why we believe that. What is the hidden emotion as to why we don't want to identify the center? It's identifying where we are emotionally. Exactly. Right? And if you can't identify, okay, why don't I want to apologize? Mm -hmm. Why can't I say something? Mm -hmm. And acknowledge it. Uh, there's a word that we learned years ago darkness and we're real which means dark and what it's talked about in the church how we literally cover up our emotions and how we feel with churches mm -hmm. and so in the midst of all of this what I'm seeing what Samuel did was Samuel was very kind and he didn't mm -hmm. fuss at Solomon he was he just explained it to right. and made it so clear that that Solomon really could see that the only one who responded the way he did was a cause of his own fear. Exactly. His own exactly. So it put it out there for him to acknowledge whether he did or not prove later on proves that he didn't. He never acknowledged that in himself. Right. And so the whole thing about this is why we're going through this study is going to acknowledge where we are mm -hmm. emotionally so that we can do what God calls us to do.
Amen. Can, can I get one testimony? Yeah, I'm, I'm, sorry, this. I'm sorry, but this is, I'm relating to that because I just had to do it. Okay. Well, y'all, y'all, this, this right here, this sheet, y'all get this sheet? This is going to cause y'all to go deeper and, and reflect about where you all are and where you need to be. Because I can only help, I can help you, but I need to help me. I need to obey God for myself. You know what I'm saying? I can work on me. And as I work on me, I can help you better and grow. Okay, we're going to close out as we're standing. I can't stand it. I know. Okay, we're going to close out and then we're going to let her give her testimony. Those of you who can stay. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just thank you for this blessed time with the saints tonight, God. I thank you for this blessed time. Thank you, oh God, for just your word, oh God, and the example of Saul and how he uh, was emotionally unhealthy, God. We thank you for your word, oh God, uh, that confirms the text, oh God, that confirms what we're reading about being emotionally unhealthy, oh God. And all of us struggle with this, oh God. And thank you, God, for causing us to shine the light on ourselves, God, on our lives and how we can be better, the best version of who you called us to be by your Holy Spirit, oh God. Don't let us sweep it under the rug, our emotions, why we feel the way we feel, why we don't want to apologize, why we didn't want to make the phone call, God, why we just was afraid and fear. God, let us obey you, oh God. Let us move forward, oh God, and, and not just be saved for one year and, and, and repenting for the 22 years that we say we've been Christian. But God, let us authentically be ourselves. Lord, we repent, Lord. We, we, we repent. We say we're sorry, God, for... Just missing the mark. Well, Lord, we said we're sorry, God, for not just being that light, uh, just illuminating your goodness, your faithfulness, the, the, the things you saved us out of, the dark places, oh God. Lord, not even sharing our testimony, oh God, with someone that needs to overcome. You said they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the words of their testimony, God. Somebody need to hear our story of healing and deliverance, oh God. Not that we've always been perfect and, and where we need to be with you. Whether outwardly or inwardly, God. It may not have been exposed outwardly, inwardly. We've been jacked up. And thank you, God, for healing us. Thank you for us taking this time seriously that you allowed us to be self-reflective. And, and so we can reflect your glory, a city set upon a hill that cannot be healed. We give you glory and praise and honor. Bless those that view online. And Lord, bless them tonight. And I pray that they would have takeaways, oh God, and just continue to be self-reflective uh, of the word that they heard tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. amen.